Hey, I'm Robert Pearson, and this is Follow the Leader, where I sit down on my lunch break, and we talk a Bible thing, and figure out how to use this book to make us better men, husbands, fathers, all the good stuff. So, we are in Psalm chapter 8, and we're going to read the whole chapter. Don't sweat, it's only nine verses. And, uh, here we go. For the choir director on the Gitteth, a Psalm of David. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who have displayed your splendor above the heavens. From the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than God, and you crown him with glory and majesty, you make him to rule over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of heavens, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Awesome. A few notes I'm going to hit real quick, just so it'll help things be a little less muddy. O Lord, our Lord. Lord, here's in all caps in the New American Standard Version that I'm reading out of. And it is, that means it's using the four-letter name of God, the Tetragrammaton for Adonai. Uh, proper pronunciation should be something like Yahweh. And uh, it's, it's awesome. So it does that in the first and last verse. O Lord, our Lord. And then our Lord would be the, uh, no, I forget, the Ad Adonai um, in Hebrew. And uh, the odd bit where it says, yet you have made him a little lower than God. So we're talking about men being made a little lower than God. So, first off, we're made in the image of God. And the way that that word's used there, if you look around in some different translations, you'll find that that word for God seems to have a couple different ways to be understood. It's the word Elohim, which, even though it's plural, could be mean the singular God, God in heaven. He's the, the Lord God, the Lord Elohim. Uh, but also, it is used in different places for angelic beings or uh, angels of some kind or some kind of heavenly uh beings or figures more generally and not only anchored to the uh, the Lord God of hosts. And so every other translation will decide, oh, this is heavenly beings or this is angels or um, this just means God. God. Um, on a random side note, the Septuagint, if you're aware of what that is, it's the Greek translation of the Old Testament, uses the word angelus for angels. It, so the ancient Hebrews who translated whatever it is that they had, which is pretty close to what we have um, as far as Hebrew texts go, uh, decided that that was better rendered for angels. I don't know. It's a coin toss. I don't think it matters a whole lot, because if we're lower than angels, we're also still lower than God. Um, and if we're lower than God, that doesn't necessitate that we aren't also then lower than angels. Also, we... Uh, being lower than angels, Paul states somewhere, I don't, I don't remember exactly where you can Google it, um, that 
do you not know that we will judge the angels? So at some point, us as Christians, after the end of the world and final judgment stuff, are going to be the ones who decide judgment over angels. Uh, I think I want to say it's in Corinthians. Uh, Paul's lecturing everybody about having to go to court for matters between Christians. And he says, why are heathens judging between you? Don't you know we're all going to judge angels? Come on, guys. Figure this out. So, um, if we are just a little lower the God and above angels, it makes sense later. Uh, the chosen Christians, uh, the children of God, true children of God, are going to be judging angels. So, all right, cool. That fits. Uh, if we're all just below... Angels being below God, all we could also be below angels, and we'd still be a, a little below God. That's like you know one step away. People freak out over six degrees of Kevin Bacon. That's like two degrees of to the deity that you know made existence. Um, and then of course the other option being that it just says angels, and we're a little lower than the angels, which still puts us you know three down. So we're in the number three spot, and we're vying for number two. How no matter how you slice it or how you kind of read this word here. It doesn't really change that, because we've got stuff that clearly states those things in other places. So, weird, nuanced nonsense aside, how do we feel after reading this, uh, if we ignore the uh, the ramblings on original language stuff? Less confused. And um, it's pretty straightforward. The only thing confusing here is God's treatment of mankind, and that we seem to be this small insignificant uh, creation, but seem to somehow be prized by him. We are, uh, I mean, God is majestic. His name is majestic in all the earth. Um, from the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you've established your strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy and the vengeful cease, or the revengeful cease. Um, throughout history, God has used rather small and significant things to overthrow really big, major things. Uh, the, um, the way huge battles will hinge on just, like, the tiniest thing. Uh, the D-Day operation in World War II would not have succeeded if it wasn't for a butt-ton of fog that prevented our troops from being seen until the very last possible moment, um just reading about the history of any major global war, uh, the more you dig into the history, the more you find just coincidence after coincidence after coincidence stacking up through multiple situations, allowing each of these pivotal moments that could have lost the entire war to go successfully for the side that won. Um, which is awesome. But then into contrast, just the... The work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you have ordained, the fact that God wouldn't exert himself very much at all, just putting together planets and physics and time, space, and quantum mechanics and all the stuff that you can't understand and our top scientists still don't exactly figure out. God made that from scratch and he was like, ah, oh, here we go, and probably didn't have to try very hard to do it. And then compare that to kind of our, our spot in everything. And it's like, God, why do you, why do you care about us? This is crazy that you would put us so high up in the rankings that we'd be just below angels. And, you know, you crown him with glory and majesty. God made us in his image. He took the time to um, impart 
something of himself onto to our, our beings and our nature. And then gave us authority over all of the stuff that he spent a lot of time making. All of these awesome, uh, this awesome planet and all these awesome animals he made to run around and God puts us in charge of it. He's like, here you go, you guys take care of it. I trust you. Okay. Um, that's, a uh, that's pretty powerful. So I, I bled into the second question, which is what's the big picture here? And that really is the big picture. It's just a contrast of how kind of small and insignificant we are compared to God. And at the same time, what God has given us and, uh, how gracefully he's treated us. Um, the fact that he's made this planet and took the time to make this like awesome habitat where plants and trees and animals and, um, you have all these amazing animals and birds and fish and bugs and stuff. And he's like, here, you can live here and, uh, take care of it as best you see fit. That's, that's awesome. So how would I summarize this? Uh, if I had to collapse this entirely into one sentence is humans don't matter except that God loves us. I guess it's a good, like if I was just going to condense it to as small as possibly as I possibly could, just the, it's just that, that God cares about us and put us in this place of honor and just to have that contrast with what we are and what we're worth compared to him. It is, I mean, the gap is not even as close as we are to ants. Uh, you would think there's a huge gap between us and ants. And I would, I, I think I can boldly say that the distance between, as far as the, the distance of capability and power and cognitive ability between us and an individual ant is way, way smaller compared to the difference between us and God, the maker of the universe. And then that he would care for us on an individual level, as we understand. And uh, uh, when Jesus talks about the sparrow, not one of them falls from the sky without God knowing. Um, and we're worth more than many sparrows. So that God is, is personally involved in each of our lives. At, at that scale to think how, you know, how small we would see an ant and go, well, God is so much bigger and we're so much smaller to even that comparison is, is mind-blowing. Uh, so, how, how then shall we live, right? What, is this, what does this mean besides just kind of a, a head trip and then we go back to whatever it is we were doing? Uh, first, and probably the, the least personally significant, uh, is just being responsible with the environment, right? Not in, a, in like a hippy-dippy way, but in the fact that this is God's place and it's on loan. He, he put us in charge. And then uh, left the house for the weekend and trust us not to tear it up. We can do what we want, but it would behoove us to treat it with uh, value and respect as the uh, the product of God's labor. Uh, and being respectful, not that we wouldn't use trees, but, you know, for every one tree you, you harvest, plant ten. Um, for every, uh, you know, okay, burning coal and stuff has a, has a lot of soot, so 
figure out how to filter, how to refine the processes, how to get more energy, maybe find better sources of energy, um, like, like nuclear power, which would never have been possible had we not used fossil fuels to get there. Um, but then to be responsible with using those and have a mind towards, let's not just dump all the stuff I don't need in a river somewhere and it all sort itself out, but that we should take care of it and be respectful and be responsible. You know, even just going to a public park, don't leave your trash out. Or the raccoons tear into your trash before the the trash day comes. Pick every single piece of trash up. Don't go, wow, well, it'll blow into the neighbor's yard. That's still on God's planet that he put us in charge over. He put you in charge of your little corner of his planet. No matter who you pay rent to, that's where you live. That's what you're doing. You're responsible to take care of it then. Uh, and then just to to have a sense of appreciation, I think, is critical on a, on a day-to-day basis. That it is a grace that you are alive and that you have what you do have. Even a, a homeless guy, well, he woke up alive that day, which is awesome. And a lot more than a lot of people have. Um, not that you shouldn't strive to improve your situation, but before you do that, take a moment to appreciate where you're at and what you do have. Um and realize that it's a kind and loving God who's given it to you. Um, and just realize how big he is and how small you are and, and kind of put his care and love and provision in the context of how big he is and how small you are as a, as a backdrop. I'm going to end on that note. Uh, questions and scripture down below. Uh, shoot me your answers, your questions. I love to hear from you. And I will see you next time. Godspeed.